Hey everybody, welcome to Giant Bomb Presents. I'm Austin Walker, and I am introducing another new guest contributor. This is one that you may already know. Welcome, Gita Jackson. Hi, Austin. How's it going? It's going pretty good. I'm making some cookies. It's it's a little. I guess you're in Chicago, so it's a little bit earlier there than it is here. But I, you know, nighttime cookies. The baking are... urge only strikes me post 10 p.m. So this is par for the course. For is me. that like a recurring thing that like? This is how I baked cakes at like 10 p.m. Just because I'm like, I want a fucking cake, man. Okay, that's so that's what it is. Like, so it isn't. It isn't like, oh, this is like a nice late late night activity. So much as it is like, I would like a cake, and so it's time to bake <laughs> so, one. I have the ability, I uh, this Martha Stewart recipe for glazed lemon cookies. I uh-huh. looked at them. I have all the ingredients. Look, it's the kind of thing oh. where if, like, if I had ice cream, I would just be eating it, right. but I don't. But so it's like, I want a snack, and what do I have? How can I make a snack here? Yeah. And not yeah. just like a shitty snack. Like I want a legit. You want like a legit snack. snack. Yeah, I'm making a lemon. Uh, it's actually their lime. I'm doing lime instead of lemon because I... I haven't used these three limes I bought, so I might as well do that. Right. Well, you, you and I had been actually trying to do this recording for probably four or five hours now, and we kept <laughs> both missing each other, and we almost just missed each other because you were zesting some limes. My hands smell so strongly of lime. That sounds all right. That's, yeah, yeah. limes smell good. Limes smell good. It's true. Limes people, do smell good. People should recognize you from the Giant Beast cast episode 11 when you were on. That was still back in the summer, back in the fall, I guess. It was a normal temperature outside. Okay. I think I was wearing shorts. That it sounds was right. summer, probably. Yeah. It was, it was a nice trip. And, and if you don't know Gita from then, you should go back and listen to that episode because it was really good. And now Gita is on the site with an article about Dwarf Fortress and fantasy genre fiction and like the way in which maybe I guess the, the easiest way to talk about it is just like it's it's the ways in which when we talk about certain genres, it's what we talk about when we talk about the fantasy genre, right? Yeah. Um, but even uh, broader than that, like that somehow the story around certain sorts of topics and genres and popular fiction and certain genres of video game, it, it, it ignores the fact that there's actually something else interesting going on there. And, and so it's easy to, to convince yourself that there's nothing for you there. Yeah. Um, and and the, the kind of shittiest bit, and you kind of hit on this a little bit, is that once that becomes the story, once the like the common sense is that all fantasy books look like this, then all fantasy books start to look like that. Yeah. And that's really shitty. Yeah. I think fantasy, science fiction has this problem as well, although a lot of science fiction, at least the science fiction I like reading mm-hmm. and like inter- interacting with, is like social science fiction. Um, it's really dedicated to the idea of social, of like progress and progression. So even if it does it clumsily, it will try to take the sort of human modern issues and put them in a science fiction context with fantasy. Often what I see is just, I can tell that the author really likes Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Right. And that's all I like get as a person who is interacting with this media is you really, really liked Lord of the Rings and you really, really wanted to write Lord of the Rings. Right. Which is like, it's dope that you like Lord of the Rings. Like I, I get it. Like, but the thing that, the thing that always frustrates me, like I think about things like, um, um, uh, what was that? What was Lord of Rings? Shad- uh, Shadows of Mordor that came out a couple of years ago that has like all of the, all of the grandioseness, not grandi- like grandiosity, but like the, it's as interested in like big movers and shakers as Lord of the Rings is, but mm-hmm. it is not interested in like at all what the lives of these people are actually like. 
it gives you like the thing about Shadow of Mordor and what made me want to play it is that it 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 makes you feel like it is doing that. Right. But, the, <laughs> but, but then only, it's like kind of not really. Kind of not really. Right? I mean, this is the example I always use is that like you can tell me that the orcs that like oh this one orc loves loves music as much as you want or he writes poetry but then like the second that your main story is like oh all orcs are evil and also all orcs hate all beautiful things which is like a literal thing that that you're told in that game it's like mm, like you kind of lost me like you're you're the you're kind of buying the weird social mythology of orcs that people in that world believe while also trying to present them as like actual agents uh, and, and individuals. And that's like, I, whatever again, like I'm not saying that you, you, that all fantasy should like completely deconstruct what an orc is necessarily, but my favorite bits about something like Lord of the Rings or about fantasy fiction in general tend to be focused on, on character building on, on the ways in which characters interact with each other um, and, and less to do with like, here is my tome of lore. Here is like, yeah. here are all of the famous people in this world. Learn who they are. I mean, my favorite recent fantasy book other than Vampire Academy, which is actually secretly really, really good, um, is Vampire Academy is a very trashy YA novel. There's what a movie it of it, Vampire Academy. Sure. I'm just mumbling because I'm a little embarrassed. You're a little but embarrassed it's about... that you said that you're, the book you most recently read was called Vampire Academy. It's about really horny teens who are also vampires, mm -hmm. and they're in a boarding school. You see how this appeals to me. I um, see. But other than that, my, my favorite, most recent like fantasy book I read was Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, which mm. is very much in this like mode of literature that fetishizes certain kinds of literature that isn't really written anymore, but it's also very, very much about human beings in a world where magic exists. Right. And different social classes in that world. And, I mean, one of the major characters is, um, one is a uh, servant, a, a black male servant, um, who is just sort of trying to subsist in uh, Napoleonic England. Okay. And is sort of chosen by a fairy king as the new king of fairy and is trying, doing that sort of really familiar, like, black song and dance of... How do I get away from this person without the, pissing them off so much that they kill me or hurt yep. me? Um, which is like fascinating to read. And the other is a woman called uh, the Lady Pole, who has also been chosen by this this fairy king to join his ball and fairy. And she is always tired because every time she goes to sleep, she goes to fairy. And so people think she's gone crazy, and no one will believe her that she is being kidnapped. Oh my god. Yeah. It's, yeah. So there's stuff there, right? Like there's, there's there, there, there's something yeah. of, of that. It's like, it's not just trying to do the song and dance. It's still playing with a lot of the same familiar ideas, right? Like the notion of, of the fairy who whisks you away is, is a trope in fantasy fiction. And, and that's totally cool, but it's using that and, and mashing it up with some other stuff and, and mixing it together with, with some new ideas. Um, I think that's like, there's, all yeah, there's even like, yeah, I mean, there's even a long-lost king in Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, which is a trope I specifically should talk in right. my article. Um, but they do it in this way where he's a long-lost king of only the north of England, and the idea of him coming back like threatens England very much. Right, which runs um, pretty contrary to what is so often the, like, oh, finally, the, the true king has returned. Like, finally, Aragorn has, has ascended to the throne and, and reestablished stability. In fact, sometimes the, the addition of a new piece of power, new, you know, someone new in the power 
uh, struggle, it means like, oh, this actually upends things for us in a big way. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the old, the old order was maybe not, or like the current order may not be perfect, but it is, but it is like keeping people fed right now. Um, yeah, and and there might not even be a good old day, uh, you know, the, the good old days to go back to. That might not yeah. actually be a real thing. Yeah, I just, you know, um, I feel like too much modern fantasy is it wants to create worlds but isn't really interested in how those worlds work as systems mm. um so it, what it ends up doing is saying things implicitly just because it is taking a like a a template from another story and putting it in this one so they end up saying things implicitly that are almost like actually really disturbing when you un- dismantle them um just like the idea like one re- stories about reinstating monarchy are gross, just always uh-huh. gross. Like, they're never going to be good. Um, we've been through, it's been a long time since America's had, you know, any responsibility to any kind of monarchy, and we kind of all decided it was bad. Um, and in general, have have I think a lot of us have skepticism that there's such a thing as, like, a positive oligarchy, right? That, like, oh, even if it's just, like, if you're not really a king, but, like, if you just happen to have a lot of concentrated power... Sorry, there's a big truck going by outside. Speaking of concentrated power, um, <laughs> even when, even if you're, you can't. It's hard to imagine anyone um, at this point say like, "Okay, we want an authoritarian who is like a kind tyrant." That's what we need. I say that, of course, knowing that the, the current political spectrum in America is actually maybe leaning that direction some days. That they do want a, a, a tyrant that they can believe in. Uh, but huh, that's a whole, we can't even, we cannot even go in that direction right now. Um, it depresses me and to think about, I called my parents today and they both wanted to talk to me about that exact thing. And I was like, I'm on the couch and I'm sad y'all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a mess. So the, the, one of the things that, that interests me is you, you, you kind of end up saying like Dwarf Fortress, despite the fact that it, it uses elves that love wood so much that they like, that they won't buy goods made of wood. Like that's how much they even, love the forest. I gave an, an elf trader a basket full of fucking jewels, and I forgot that the basket was made out of wood, and they got pissed off and left, and I was so angry. Yeah, that's pretty uh. good. That's, but like, so like, that's, that's this ridiculous trope, but it's also the ridiculous trope carried out to its absurd conclusion, right? Yeah. Which I love. Um, I've heard later in Dwarf Fortress, uh, once you reach a certain size, if the elf kingdom is threatened by you, they will come and sort of strong arm you into you know, making an agreement with them that you'll only cut a certain quota of trees. Yes, that's totally true. Yeah. I haven't actually survived long enough to get to that point. Usually I, I mean, there's a thing about Dwarf Fortress I like as like a player, like in a mechanics way, mm-hmm. where I like just like, you will never see until you get to the point in the game where you need X thing, how early up in the game you need to set up that economy. Right. So you're always juggling something. Always, right. and we're gonna mess it up because it's impossible to keep an eye on everything. Um, but I mean, what I like in, about Dwarf Fortress also, what I end up talking about here, is that it uses the the template of these fantasy tropes that I find really boring, and then it zooms in in like a micro way on just like, well, how would this actually work? Right? How would the society actually work? And you are the author of of that. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a story you're making up about these dwarves, uh, dwarves in a really 
small, like gentle human way mm-hmm. where you can track families. I spend so much time looking at people's families' trees. In right. Dwarf so like, Fortress. there's this. I think that's something that maybe people don't know about. Is is there's a mode in Dwarf Fortress called called Legends mode, and there's a thing you can get called the Legends Viewer, which just lets you go like, what's up with this one person? Like, just tell me everything about this one simulated person. What books did they read or write? What is their life goal? Who is their uncle? And like, yeah. it's incredible um, because you end up getting these just. So here's the the story that I that I I don't think I've told this on a podcast before, but I, I mentioned it once on on uh, Twitter recently to Brad, and some people saw me tweet about it like a year ago with with a mutual friend of uh, uh, Jack DeKeet. Um and so Jack and I had been playing some Dwarf Fortress, we'd done some streams, uh, and at one point we found this vampire. And every time we were playing through the the roguelike version, uh, which is called Dwarf Fortress Adventure Mode, mm-hmm. and we were chasing this vampire through the woods. Like we'd pop onto a screen, and a vampire would be there, and it would like come towards us a little bit, and then we'd get close to it, and be like, "Hey, well, we have a sword," and it would run away from us. And eventually, we cornered it in in like a cave system, or like up against the mountain, like the the kind of a cliff face, and we like ran up to it and like tried to fight it, and it killed us. And after we were done, we went, okay, like, I wonder what the deal was with that vampire. Like, let's load up the legend viewer and find it, find her. And it turned out that she'd been a vampire for a hundred years and had never killed anyone. Time and again, what she would do is quote unquote ambush people, which just means that she appears as a monster on the same map that they were on uh, to, for it to count as an ambush because she's a monster. And then as soon as it started, she would flee like every time and she would subsist on rats and other small game and like dig dug in deeper and it was like well what was her life like before she was a vampire and she turns out she was in a village that had come under attack uh and in her like in the middle of the attack she prayed to her god who was like the goddess of life and said like please just like she prayed to her god that's all we know and then she became a vampire um and, like, for the rest of her life, refused to kill because she worshipped... I, I this is me filling in the gaps because this is what we do, right? Is like, mm-hmm. she because she worshipped the goddess of life. And to her death, the only goal she ever had in life was to be a comedian. Oh, and it's just no. Like, like, fuck. Like, I, and I, I was the first person she ever killed because I, like, made her. Because I cornered her and made her hurt me in self-defense. Oh, and it's like, oh, cool, Dwarf Fortress. Awesome. Like, again, this is taking these systems to their logical conclusions in such a way that is absurd and tragic. Um, and that's just like, it's so brilliant because normally if you told me like, Oh, there's a thing where you can look through all the lore in this, in this stock fantasy world. Like, again, this isn't, we're not even talking dragon age, right? Or we're not even talking like, Oh, this is a world in which there's like your traditional fantasy tropes twisted a little bit. It's like, no, like dwarf fortress is just, it's just token. And mm-hmm. yet it can still produce these things because it gets in at such a good systemic level, you know? It makes me care in a way that I don't care in mm-hmm. other games often. Um, yeah, let's talk about, like, Skyrim. Uh, there's so many characters and, like, so many people you can, like, marry or whatever, and I just ended up really not giving a shit about mm-hmm. anybody because once you interact with anybody in that world, everything seems so flat right. and so cardboardy. Um, it's so frustrating to me in Skyrim, and I like, I you know, I'm a Bethesda person. I, I like all those games. I've played a lot of those games. But it's so frustrating to me that there are... Whenever I play one of those games, it's like, oh, this is the standout quest line. And mm-hmm. and those quests, the, like you, know, you think about something like the Dark Brotherhood in Oblivion, um, and you think, like, oh, man, that was, like, such a good quest line because it had, like... It had lots of character, but, like, 
if only that whole game had a, had a, uh, had as much as that did, or if only that whole game could could take some of the character that appears in the fiction in that world and drip it out throughout the rest of the environments and characters, right? Like you read a book that's like that's like a sexy pillow book written by a a cat lady in that in that world that ends up being like not only kind of like not only is it a sexy book but also it's kind of saying something about their social relations and it's like oh like why don't i just like meet the person who wrote this book or like who yeah. who has a voice the way these the characters who write these books have um it would be really good that would be really really good it's interesting though that dwarf fortress ends up stumbling upon that tone accidentally really because i don't think the things i like about dwarf fortress are intentional not at all i'm so um, torn on that because like on one hand i think you're i think you're right that for a long time it was definitely unintentional but i yeah. wonder now and like the most recent update one of the most recent updates not the most recent added book writing into that game where, like, it's not just, like, characters... Uh, there have been book writing for a long time, but now it's it's not just, like, you're writing tomes, you're writing manuscripts, and it just says, like, oh, this person wrote a book about the about death, or, oh, this person wrote a, a magical tome about teleportation or something. Now it's, like, this person wrote a book, and it had this character. It had this, like... The, the prose was written with this style and with this, like, meter. And obviously, it's not, like, procedurally generating the lines, but it is doing, like, it is letting me know what sort of writer this person is. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same way that, like, in the past, it's been like, oh, this person engraved this plate like this. Um, and I feel like, at the very least, Tarn and his brother, I, I forget what his brother's name is, which is really bad, but, like, they must get that at least some people like those games because they're games about co-authoring stories, the way you put it in the piece. Yeah, yeah. Um I do think now it's it's an emphasis, especially with that the update that you mentioned, which was I was playing on that before the ASI art just started to hurt my yeah. eyes. Like yeah. just I was able to parse what was happening, but then I would look at it and I my eyes would go out of focus. So I had to get a, a tile set and yeah. you know, it was an update behind. But with the book reading stuff and especially with the tavern stuff, because mm-hmm. you can assign people to be innkeepers and stuff and then have travelers come by. So it becomes so much less focused on the combat stuff, which right. is also just weirdly procedurally generated. Uh, it super so is. Of, like point your, your fighters at a monster and then just hope essentially. It's, it's, it's so intense. Like it's, I, and this is the thing that's, that's so frustrating is that like, even now, even with us saying we don't want to fall into the trap of talking about Dwarf Fortress as the tough, complicated thing, mm-hmm. it, it's still easy to fall into that trap because it is so much more complicated and complex than I think most games are. But I, I think what's important is like to say, like, yes, it's super complex. The, the combat system is this big, weird procedural thing where people's toes are simulated. Oh my god. I'm getting that- all the announcements for people during sparring where, you know, this person's... Uh, tongue grazes their left earlobe while they're swinging. <laughs> no, it's like sexy sparring, I guess. <laughs> okay. These dwarves are like, there's like some tension going on. Okay. I'm like a YA novel version of Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> oh. So. This is, yeah, Dwarf Academy, right? <laughs> I would actually read that, that though. Would, that'd be kind of okay. I'd be into that. Fall in the CW, Dwarf <laughs> Academy. Fuck. Well, why I run the CW, Austin Walker. What, yeah, why why don't you? What happened? Why don't you? Why aren't you in charge of the CW yet, where we can get all of our YA dwarves and well, vampires? Isn't fair, actually. It's I truly unfair. This is the shortest side. I've got uh, my friend Sarah. This great idea, and I've been thought about it the other day. Why isn't there a battle royale CW show? Because you could just rotate in those like hot young stars. That would be that would make them bank. 
Honestly, so much money in a post Hunger Games world. They would make so much money on that. Man, I I haven't even thought about Hunger Games in the context of Battle Royale. And I guess just because I'm not spending enough of my brain power, because that seems like a pretty obvious thing to to put into consideration, huh? Wrote the Hunger Games claims to have never heard of Battle Royale. And that is the most bald faced lie I've ever heard in my life. I just like side eyed real hard. And like, (laughs) I'm not trying to take anything away from her. Like, it's okay that, that there are similarities. That's like the dude who who did like the lead dude on Heroes. Like I've never heard of of Watchmen before. Like all right, that's a lie. But all okay, right, homie, whatever you say. <laughs> anyway, so I think for me the the takeaway from all of this is that like the thing I really love is when I the, the one of my favorite things as a as a critic and as someone who plays games, as someone who just consumes media of all types, is when I kind of reluctantly go into something because I think I don't like the genre that it is. I say I don't really like horror but I'm going to go watch this horror movie. And then it's, it follows, right? Um, yep. or, or it's The Witch. And it's like, oh, horror has this too. Horror's always had. It's like the opposite. I've written about the uncanny for the site before. It's almost the opposite of the uncanny, you know, where the uncanny is like, there's something terrible and something that you loved. And, and th- there's this terrible realization that in fact, your home was always ruined and was always scary. That like the relationship that, that you held dear to you was always abusive and you didn't realize until just now. Um, this is the opposite, which is like, there's something you've, you've pushed away from yourself because you believed that it was this one thing and that it could only ever be intrinsically, essentially this one thing. And then you realize like, Oh no, actually that's just the way people keep it. Like, mm-hmm. Oh no. Like, I don't like horror movies because so many of them only ever try to be this one thing because that's what audiences expect because that's what other previously successful horror movies have done. Actually, there's this whole line of horror films that I actually really love and didn't ever know I would have loved if I hadn't gone to check it out. And that's like one of my favorite things. So I'm I'm glad that for you, Dwarf Fortress has been that thing. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely, it reveals to me why people really like these fantasy tropes that I find, I personally find super boring. It's because if you, when you're using them right, they do become just like a really interesting template for examining human behavior. Can you think of anything else that like fits that model of like, you didn't think you would like the thing in general. And then you, you found one example that really stuck out and like revealed that there was actually something there for you. See, I'm, I'm, this is, this is like a super, like revealing answer about me in middle school but in middle school I used to hate hip-hop just mm-hmm. like really resent it a yeah. lot um and then my dad bought the that outcast double album and we listened to it all the time right and I realized like oh the thing I hate about hip-hop is the way that white people talk about hip-hop and white people talk about blackness that's yep. actually the thing I just like here and hip-hop is actually really great. And now I listen to a lot of hip-hop. P.S. Kendrick dropped an album, like, while, like seconds ago, by the way. I haven't heard it yet. I was wondering if the thing, if you mentioned before we started recording that like you were downloading a thing. And I was I like, wish, is it the Kendrick? I wish it was the Kendrick. It was it was a thing to record on. And then, and then you heard me fight for, like, 20 <laughs> minutes trying to get it to work. Because, because my computer... Anyway, I can't get into all of that. It's okay. You're fine. There's Kendrick. So There's Kendrick. In fact, I should go. I should go listen to the Kendrick. Gita, thank you so much no for joining a- me on, on Giant Bomb Presents. I, I hope we get to, to run something from you on the site in the future. Uh, is there any where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at xoxogossipita. Uh, 
that's pretty much where you're going to be able to keep up with when I have articles come out because I don't yet have a website or anything because I'm <laughs> poor and lazy. You should, so. get, you should get at least a portfolio website. That's the thing I've noticed is like mad people have those. As someone who just, you know, I've looked over like 200 pitches in the last couple of weeks. Um, and it was helpful to me actually as an editor. I started accepting uh, feature pitches for Pace Comedy, which right. is where I'm assistant editor. And like someone sent me a pitch and then was like, here's my clips website. And I was like, oh, this is tight. This yeah, is really like, great. Oh, here's a place I can read all of what you think is your best stuff. You know, that's really yeah. useful. It's really hot, useful. Hot tips for people out there who want to get into, into you know, writing for, for publications. Have a place where people can go to see your, your best writing. Even just set up a Tumblr with a bunch of links. That is literally what my web, like clockworkworlds.com is literally just a Tumblr. I, in fact, ugh, I have so much to do. I need to, I, I'm going to go so I can do, be more productive <laughs> at 11.30 p.m. at night because that's where, oh my God, it's actually not 11.30, it's 12.11. My computer is oh. just broken and is constantly losing time. What is happening? I want to email you these cookies I'm making. I really want that to be possible. That would be really nice. Maybe in the future. Maybe, Maybe. in our sci-fi future. That would be really great. That would, that would be a, a if at for the cost of dystopia. If if we got, if we had to live in our Blade Runner future and our like William Gibson disaster and our like Margaret Atwood, the Corpse Corps is coming for us. I would be okay as long as you could email people cookies. I would live with it. Just bring all our internet friends a little bit closer together with the gift of base goods. Sounds good. Thank you so yeah. much for joining me, Gita. No problem. Nice talking to you, Austin. Bye bye.